that I've got your ear, here's a story I wouldn't mind sharing with you. It's a tall tale that grows taller each passing year. It's the story of Blaine. And welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast, where we are all about cinematic connections. Each week, we are discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, and as always, I'm joined by... Bob Sinensky. And Brendan Fitzpatrick. And last week, we discussed Columbus... This week, due to a connection of Parker Posey and a story of a small town, we will be discussing the 1997 mockumentary by Christopher Guest, Waiting for Guffman. Then at the end of the episode, we'll decide on our next movie suggestions from you, our musical uh, listeners, and us, your uh, dancing hosts. We will, of course, be spoiling Waiting for Guffman, what there is of it to spoil as we talk about it. So if you've not yet watched it, uh, you can pause this podcast and Waiting for Guffman will be available on Hulu starting on July 1st. So you can watch it on Hulu tomorrow, July 1st. Of course, and we'll be waiting the... for you right here. Yes, exactly. We'll have, a, we'll have a reserved seat waiting for you to show up and to just show up. And uh, we also will be putting the timestamp in the description of this podcast for when we just start discussing our next movie. So you can skip ahead to and watch Waiting for Guffman. If you don't want to pay for it, just wait till tomorrow. Okay. Guys, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? My Good. kids are going to camp tomorrow, so we're very excited for the nice. for that to go okay. Outside of the house camp, like real outside of the house, like Ooh. a real camp. They're allowed to be open in New York. Um, day camps are open. Yeah, I guess um, they're outside. I hope for the most best. Of the time, yeah, most of the time yeah, they're outside, so you're just kind of hoping. Yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're going to be outside most of the day. There's yeah. the, the adults are supposed to wear masks when they're inside. Yeah. Um, obviously they're not even pretending that kids are going to wear masks because that's no. just not right. Uh, are the, uh, is the camp going to be putting on it? <laughs> I don't know if there'll be any plays. If, like if they show. are, I, I assume it'll be of, uh, of a similar quality to what we saw. <laughs> yes, I was going to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, probably is the case. And, uh, Brendan, you are the production expert. Of course, you have worked on plenty of plays. How are you these days? Pretty good. Pretty good. This movie really made me miss, uh, going to my small town theater and working with all the quirky people that I used to work with, uh, working for different uh, small town theater companies across the U.S. So, um, But other than that, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I, I definitely have been on a nostalgia kick lately thanks to this movie, going back through old production notes and playbills from college and high school. And it's, uh, you know, th- things are good. Um, you know, life is moving ever onward here in dc nothing uh too crazy but um at just as things were starting to open back up they're starting to button things back down due to uh spikes in the area so we'll we'll see what happens i hopefully things will get better but you know we just have to keep a smile on our faces and hope for the best yes lots of waves uh we'll be yes it's it's tough definitely yeah um before we start talking about waiting for government as always we like to start this off talking about the best thing that we watched in the last week. And usually that's a movie. I know sometimes mm-hmm. we don't always get to movies. So um, 
Ab, why don't you kick us off? What was the best thing you watched this week? Um, yeah, so I, uh, I I did not watch any other movies this week other than Waiting for Guffman. And I uh, honestly I haven't been watching a lot of movies in a while, as both of you know, and as some of our listeners know, I have been plowing through all 40 seasons of Survivor. Um, Never heard of it. Which I, uh, I I finally completed this weekend, the uh, my last of the forty seasons. I've now seen awesome. them all, um, and from what I'm learning, I've only barely scratched the surface of what I'm <laughs> supposed to be doing here. So um, yes, this is there this are is hours of podcast for you. Yeah, I, and like and and apparently a lot more different types of Survivor to watch. Um, so what was like supposed to be like a week of relaxation instead has me like getting all my ducks in order for future projects that I am now uh, feel obligated to sojourn along mm-hmm. but um you know it's it's uh i guess uh every every new beginning is some other beginnings end right yep <laughs> yeah that's true it's a, true it's, a it's a cycle right it, it all every decision leads to another decision right <laughs> uh yeah and uh, yeah and i guess at a certain point you find you find yourself yourself so far in on something that there's only one direction and that's just to keep going forward mm-hmm <laughs> Yes. At a certain point, there's no going back, which is what I found. You know, I I, I legitimately started thinking, okay, like I'll watch, you know, 10 seasons of this thing. You know, people will tell me which are the best ones. But like, you know, obviously I'm not going to watch all 40 because that would be a crazy thing to do. And before you know, it, you kind of get past this like threshold number of seasons where it's like, all right, well, now, you know, I've seen 27. So like, what am I going to not watch the last 13, even though that's yeah. like hundreds of episodes still to watch. But <laughs> um, at a certain point, completion just, just kicks in. Oh, it. yeah. That's 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 the way I, am. I remember early on when you were starting the seasons that I liked that are like kind of underrated survivor seasons. They're not the most exciting, but I, I think there's like redeeming qualities about them. And I said, oh, you should go back. You're not going to watch that one. You said, no, I just want to do the good ones. I, I'm not going to watch all 40. <laughs> so I don't want to waste my time with uh, any of the mediocre seasons. Yeah. You know, I think it made sense at the time. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you know, if, if future off had told past off, listen, you're going to watch them all. You just who are we kidding here? Um you know, a big part of it was that I, I was spoiled on at least 20 or 25 seasons because of season 40, which, like an idiot, I decided to watch first because I just right, didn't know Right, that's the all-winners season, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so, like, yeah. <laughs> at, at that point, uh, that kind of really played a big role in, in that. But, you know, if, if you're out there and thinking, hmm, maybe I'll watch all 40 seasons, just watch them in order for the most part. Um, yeah, for the most it'll, part. It'll, it'll be easier to manage. Yeah. Well, they build off of each other as well, too. For sure, yeah. The other part, yeah. Yeah, and I did have people that were kind of telling me, well, you can't, you can watch this before that, but not this before that, you know, based on, right. you know, re- returning players. So that was definitely very helpful. And like, I didn't, you know, have too many issues because of that. But, you know, just don't overthink it. Just if you think you're going to watch a bunch of seasons, just start from the beginning, go through them, and you'll probably enjoy it because it's, it's very good. But yeah, yeah. Um, they're yeah. all on CBS All Access. If you're looking for something to fill some quarantine time, just start with season one. On C- Sign up for CBS All Access. You can pay a little bit of money per month, and you can watch them all. The, you can do commercial free. It's pretty quick to go through them. And the American seasons are very easy to binge, as I'll yeah. tell you. Yeah. I mean, I guess the one thing I would say is like maybe it makes sense to start with a different season other than season one just to like make sure that you're going to like the game as it really looks for most of it. That's good. Yeah, okay. So which and then, season would you like, say you're like, start okay, with? I like this show. Then you could go back and start from season one. But maybe watch like 15 or 18 or, you know, people could suggest other favorite seasons that like kind of like have for more or less look like the style of gameplay, even though, you know, it, it evolves over time. Changes, but like that kind yeah. of like captures, you know, there's idols, there's, you know, different twists, all those things that really come into play for the bulk. Um, so maybe start with one of those. And then if you're if you're in, then go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I would say start with something a little bit earlier, even though those are what, you know, 
25 of the 40 seasons are like. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I think it's it's probably like start with something simpler because the problem is yeah. like if you watch a super twist heavy season, then you go back and watch the like you don't like the first five seasons. Yeah, I mean, t- to me, they're just like a different show. Like you, they don't have af- after you, of, like, after you see like the what I consider the better seasons. If you, you go back to those early ones, and le- it's it's not bad TV. And I watched season three live actually, and I loved it at the time. Um, it's just it's just a really different pace and a really different style mm-hmm. of play, and just it's just a very different show. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I I would I would get if people like those seasons the best. If like that's the type of show they like, and they feel like the game has gotten like a little too cute and more focused on gameplay rather than characters and that sort of stuff, which, you know, I could definitely appreciate if that was some people's opinion, but, um, coming in where I did and like seeing, you know, Oh wow, this is crazy and twists and this and back and forth and people screwing each other. And then you can kind of go back to season two and everyone's kind of like sitting around hanging out. It's, yeah. it's just like, not. it's more of a survivor element of it. Oh yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I had always said to people when they would ask me what season to start with, um, to start with season 10, pull out, because that is like the last of the sort of old school era where they also start to incorporate really good new stuff. Like, you know, the first real use of the hidden immunity idol after Guatemala or before, even before Guatemala. And then also the um, lots of good twists, lots of great challenges and a really strong uh, character performance by the eventual winner. And so I think it's I think it's a good baseline starting season to recommend pull out as a first early season to sort of get your feet wet and realize what this show is and then decide what of what factor are you most interested in and then go off based off of that to either go backwards or forwards yeah, yeah that i think sense. that i think that that makes sense that i stick of survivor Palau though is mm-hmm. uh kind of weird for somebody on their first watch is sure. my only thing um yeah. But yeah, I, I think if I had to pick one and we were talking before we came on that maybe we do like a special bonus uh, mm-hmm. episode of this podcast all about Ov's survivor journey and talk about that. We just have to figure out some sort of like movie ladder. Yeah. You know, maybe we try to connect each season to each other in some way or do something that that ties it into this podcast. I have a great idea. So how about how about um, this week as uh, coming off of um, waiting for Guffman, we do the emoji movie. <laughs> or like Treasure Island, you know. There's there's there are things that could get us there. Are you a so, fan of the emoji yeah, movie? Yeah. So you think uh, the quality of the emoji movie is the quality of the uh, red, white, <laughs> Blaine performance? Um, I haven't seen the emoji movie, but I I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would say if you're starting fresh on Survivor, um, I actually think, and this is this seems to be the common answer, but I think Amazon, which uh, of yeah. course has our buddy Rob Sestrinino. Yeah, I mean, certainly if you're... That season you, is just, you, like, so much fun and it's got a good variety. Yeah, certainly if you're familiar with Rob at all, just, like, seeing someone that you are know, for lack of a better word, in the show, like, adds a lot. Mm-hmm. And so even if you're not, I, I mean, he's, like... No, it's a, it's a very I didn't, good I didn't know him when I watched... Yeah, yeah, the reason why I'm so involved in Rob's podcast community is because when I was in high school, I remember watching Survivor Amazon and being like, oh, this guy's just like me. And then... Uh, getting more involved and then fell down the rabbit hole and then fell on 32 fans rabbit hole and then met Av and then we did this podcast. That's right. So we all got here. And to uh, correct myself, Palau does not have a hidden immunity idol. I just realized that after I said it. Palau does yeah. not have a hidden immunity idol. It's the first yeah, immunity right. idol. It starts at 11, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I was mixing up the person that I was thinking of with a later season of theirs where they do have possession of an idol. So, yeah, that's that's all. Okay. Glad I caught that one before I got an angry tweet. Yeah. So, uh, so, Ab, just your your best thing you watched this week was just Survivor in general. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess I would say it's the best thing I watched in the last three months, but I finished yeah. it this week, so we're going to file it under this week. But yeah, I'm looking forward. Let's, uh, you know, people can look forward to that as well. We'll do some sort of Survivor deep dive and cover everything that I have to say, which, if you're a big Survivor fan, is probably going to be not that much that you haven't heard before, but should still be fun. Yeah, we'll figure out we'll figure out some way to twist it and make it the movie ladder, the Tony Ladder podcast or something. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Brendan, what was the best thing you watched this week? Yeah, so I watched a few different things this week. Um, a couple of movies for my my personal movie ladder. Um, I watched a new Netflix movie that dropped, uh, but I don't really want to talk about that because I don't think that, although actually it has a lot of similarities with Waiting for Guffman. Um, I did watch the Eurovision Story of Fire saga starring Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. And mm. It has a lot of mockumentary thematic uh, similarities between um, Christopher Guest style movies and this because it's definitely um, not taking itself seriously and is about a group of performers who are definitely not self-aware of how good or bad their performances are. Mm. Um, it's a really fun but formulaic uh, Will Ferrell uh, comedy, but Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams really sell the hell out of it. It's called Eurovision Song Con- Contest, the f- story of Fire Saga. So if people are looking for a new Will Ferrell movie, um, Netflix has he covered. Um, but the movie I really want to talk about this week is, I think we maybe even talked about this recently. Um, I went back for the first time in a really long time and rewatched Jurassic Park. Nice. And Jurassic Park holds up, especially if you have a giant screen TV at home and really good HD quality and you're sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon and can just crank up the volume and it's just it's fantastic it's a you know grab a grab a soda grab a snack and sit down and watch and rewatch Jurassic Park it holds up so well it's so intense all the performances are great um it's it's just big nostalgia and I watched it because I'm um based off of Fierce Creatures, which I watched uh, earlier <laughs> in the week, and I'm excited to watch um, Jaws next week. So I'm excited Are you going to watch Jaws Jurassic next? Park. Yeah. So I'm going to go from Jurassic Park to Jaws, and I'm excited to talk about Jaws next week, I think. It is, it is Jaws weekend. I feel like uh, I might weekend. have to watch Jaws when you it's watch it. It's the 4th of July! Yeah. So yeah, The mayor in Jaws that, uh... does kind of look like Fred Willard as well. <laughs> so... Fair enough. So yeah, um, my, my recommendation this week, if you want nostalgia, is Jurassic Park. If you want something new, go seek out Eurovision Song Contest. What about you, Zach? Uh, so I am uh, heavy in the Spike Lee portion of my movie ladder and watched a couple Spike Lee movies. He is one that uh, probably fewer people have seen, and that is Crooklyn. Okay. So it is from 1994, and Spike Lee actually is in it, but... Uh, it's got, you know, a lot of uh, people who are in lots of Spike Lee movies. So it's got Delroy Lindo, who, of course, is in The Five Bloods as well. Uh, it's got a cameo from RuPaul. Alfre Woodard is in it as well. And then some kid actors. Uh, and it's about a family. It's it's kind of like a summer movie, coming of age family story. That, and Alfre Woodard and Delroy Lindo are the parents in the story. Um, and it's just I, I actually heard about it on the Big Picture podcast. I had never really uh really heard much about it but uh, i checked it out and liked it quite a bit it's i think based on spike lee's family i don't know how accurate to spike lee growing up but there's definitely one of the kids in this is like looks just like a young version of spike lee so that's definitely supposed to be spike 
as a kid. He's like obsessed with the Knicks and uh, and watching Knicks games. And it's just there is a plot, but it's really just kind of like a slice of life movie. Mm-hmm. Nice. Life growing up. Uh, that is that is my recommendation. I thought it was uh, really good. There's actually so I was uh, one thing I was clued in about that I heard on another podcast is that they do something weird with like the aspect ratio where it looks like your TV is like basically messed up. Like it looks like the picture got scrunched in and stretched uh, vertically and mm. it looks very yeah. off. And it's um, it was actually an intentional choice. Uh, I, I think it works for what he's trying to get across, but I was glad I knew that because had I not known, I would have thought that my TV got screwed up at that point. Like it really, it really is something that happens like midway through the movie. Did they? Interesting. So um, I don't know if either of you guys have seen it. It doesn't look like either of you have seen it on Letterboxd. I but. haven't. It's uh, it, it's on my list to watch this summer. Um, but I went a different way after I watched The Five Bloods. I watched Malcolm X instead. And yeah, I watched um, Malcolm X and then I watched this after Malcolm X. X. So. Yeah, it's but I do I do plan on catching it. Um, yeah. eventually. Tonally, this was much different than Malcolm X. It's got a lot yeah. of the like Spike Lee, like classic Spike Lee types of shots and scenes. Uh, oh, and the soundtrack is seriously. The- I uh, struggled to think of a movie. It's just got such good songs all throughout. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, and this made my uh, best best movies of the summer list, which I, I often update and play around with. Nice. So um, I think it's right in the middle of that. Um, also working on my top 10 Spike Lee movies, but I want to watch a bunch more before I um, before yeah. I actually make that one public. So, um, yes, Crooklyn, that is my recommendation. Right Not streaming anywhere. You'll have to rent it. I, I will say that, you know, it's I don't mind streaming as much or uh, renting as much as I used to, because, I mean, generally it's only two ninety nine to three ninety nine for HD movies. That's not that bad. I mean, it's actually cheaper than movies were towards the end of the video rental era. You right. Know? Well, so, and especially I mean, because none of us can go to movie theaters right, right. now. That, like instead of yeah. paying ten bucks for a movie ticket that you, you know, you're, you're just kind of dispersing that money. Yeah, I don't mind at all. It's like yeah, I, I don't mind it. Uh, but speaking of movies that you can rent let's talk about waiting for guffman we had such unfortunate timing picking this to record today well unfortunate for us but lucky for you guys right well lucky for people who haven't yet watched it uh the waiting for guffman will be on hulu starting july 1st so you know we had to pay to rent it but um if you have not watched waiting for guffman or you're looking for a reason to revisit it and you want to watch it for free it'll be on hulu tomorrow yeah, I actually watched it for free on Vudu with commercials because I didn't mind since it was um, a short movie. Uh, I just watched it for free on Vudu rather than rent it. Yeah, I'm assuming they didn't cut anything out when you when you I don't believe it. they did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and since this movie is like a mockumentary and um, it's a shot, it's almost like an episode of The Office. So mm. usually I, I would I wouldn't advocate for watching something with commercials just because it breaks up the it breaks it up, but it probably was just like watching a long episode of The Office for you. Yeah, it felt like watching an episode of 30 Rock. I was going to say it felt like yeah. watching an episode of Parks and Recreation. Oh, well, we're all across the board yeah. here. Parks, yeah. and Rec is, MC, Parks and Rec is probably MC, just because I think it really captured that, like, <laughs> trying to do that, like, kind of, like, small town thing the way, you know, you could see, very yeah. much see this being, an, in fact, there was that, like, episode where they, the, the Parks Department puts on, like, a, a little play. Yeah, like making fun sure. of everything that goes on with all these like inside jokes and like that yeah. that this movie reminded me very much of that like cold open. Yeah, I never was... finished Parks and Rec. I only watched the first couple okay. seasons of it. I like it. It's like one of those shows I'd like to go back to at some point. I just like never really got. A... Yeah, you definitely should. It's really great. But Parks and Rec actually came up on my podcast with my brother yesterday about our dark podcast because we were ta- we were talking about the uh, 
Who is the guy who was only in the first season and then left? Do you remember that guy? Yeah, he's like dating Anne. Yeah. I We're trying to think him. of his name, and we could not remember his name. John Ralphio? I don't know. No, 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 no. no. He's like a very boring all. vanilla guy. Yeah. He's, he's yeah, he, they were good to get rid of him in and instead, like, focus more on, you know, like, Tom and Jerry. And they brought and... Rob Lowe in after they got rid of him, I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah. So yeah, it's, um, it's, like... it's uh, Paul Schneider. He plays Mark. Mark, that was it, yeah. Um, Mark, like, Brendanowicz. Mark Brendanowicz. Yeah. Oh, Brendanowicz, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is a, a so just for an early connection with me, Waiting for Guffman. This is the third movie that we've covered on the Movie Ladder podcast. I mean, by just barely missing out on uh, something that would so on Waiting for Guffman, we missed out by one day on watching it for free. Mm-hmm. On the Five Hundred Days of Summer podcast, we wa- we missed out by one week on a new Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie that it yeah. just came out on Amazon Prime. So had we done that a week later, we would have gotten that. Just we could have done that Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. Mm-hmm. And on uh, the Thin Red Line, we missed out, I think, by two weeks on uh, Spike Lee's The Five Bloods being our movie that we could have picked. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Those are the three unfortunate, the unfortunate timing movies that we've had so far that I noted. Tough, tough point break there. All right. So, uh, yes, as as I said, uh, I think I said 1997 in the intro, which I think is what it said on Amazon. But uh, everywhere else, this is 96. So maybe it was one of those movies that came out. and didn't have a wide release until the beginning of 97. But it's a uh, mockumentary, much like The Office or Parks and Recreation. Uh, It is written by Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy and directed Mm -hmm. by Christopher Guest, also starring Christopher Guest. And um, I I know I've seen Spinal... This is Spinal Tap, which is another one of his Mm -hmm. movies, but I don't know if I've seen any other Christopher Guest movies. But um, I know Brendan's more familiar with it, and it seems like uh, he works with the same cast of characters... Uh, in a lot of these movies well the same cast but not the same cast of characters but they right, okay. um, a lot of times they tend to play similar characters each time out though like eugene levy is kind of always the quirky awkward you're you know your best friend's dad type character he's like that just, in every movie that he's in yeah he's like that in every movie Catherine o'hara is always kind of the you know ditzy diva doesn't quite know what's going on and is thinks she's way more talented than she is you know, um, it's they, they they all kind of tend to play the same sort of characters. Um, Fred Willard is always kind of the clueless everyman um, who just has really funny lines constantly. Yeah, Fred um, Willard is great. In this. Fred Willard is fantastic. I love him so much. Um, Balaban is always the stuffy corporate guy. You know, um, I think he's the mayor in this, right? Where he's the uh no balaban no he's the musical director he's, yeah, he's musical the director music. yeah and he's buttoned up he's always buttoned up really tight in these um in for instance in uh mighty wind he plays the uh stage manager of the theater and he has a lot of great lines in that where he's the um he's just constantly like correcting everyone trying to get them to like treat the theater with some respect because <laughs> everyone else is so clueless and it's it's a really great performance um i love Balladad here too yeah. so he so um, he basically works with a lot of like a yeah. lot of these same actors um, yeah there's a few from his guest universe that are missing from the movie itself like michael mckean isn't in this uh yeah James i was Lynch, expecting michael mckean when i uh, started john michael this. higgins and henry shearer but um harry shearer and, and uh michael mckean helped guest write the music for this which is great Mm. Um, so all the musical numbers are actually a Spinal Tap collaboration. <laughs> so there you oh, go. That's great. 
Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the movie, I mean, the the plot of the movie really is that this is getting ready for their uh, sesquicentennial. I think that's how you pronounce that. It's their mm-hmm. 150 year town's founding anniversary. And they're putting on, they're going to have a parade. They're putting on a production, a musical production about the history of the town. And it's just about the, basically, the, I thought the movie was going to focus more on like the whole celebration, but it really just focuses on the play itself and the mm-hmm. uh, the auditions, the rehearsals, setting up the play, getting everything ready to go. And then finally, the last, you know, 20 minutes, half hour of this movie is the play itself and then putting it on. Mm-hmm. And it's got a... Uh, I don't know if I would say a dry humor, but it's it's very absurdist. Everything is just like so yeah. focused on the absurdity that what you're seeing. And um, and I think that with that, and we'll see with the reviews that we got in from the listeners and from the hosts that I think that that humor hits people differently. Yeah, it's definitely a very specific type of comedy that I think is a little ahead of the time of the mockumentary boom that you get in TV and movies in the early 2000s with The Office and Parks and Rec and etc. And then, you know, guest Slater movies like Best in Show and A Mighty Wind, this sort of got lost in the absurdist, slapsticky, big, broad comedies of the mid-90s, like your Tommy Boys and your Liar Liars and your Ace Venturas and your, you know, more way out, more way out there, wackier single performances rather than ensemble comedies, yeah. um, which is unfortunate because I think this is a really fun, broad comedy that has really great individual performances by a fantastic ensemble, but it just sort of got lost in the shuffle of the comedies in the mid-90s, and you know, yeah. it's, it's too bad. Yeah. Av, uh, what do you think about this? I know, you know, your sense of humor uh, often hasn't aligned mm-hmm. with with mine on this yeah. podcast, uh, you know, going back to some <laughs> of the other comedies that we've talked about. Uh, so what, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah. So this was, I, I thought it was very easy to watch. It's like very breezy. It's very mm-hmm. easy to pay attention. And like, it kind of just, it, it moves at a brisk pace. The movie's mm-hmm. also only like 80 minutes. So that certainly helps. Yep. Um, I'm not like a huge improv fan in general. And I think a lot of this was improvised mm-hmm. or at least, you know, maybe in the way curb is improvised, not completely. Um, I just like I I didn't laugh that much. That was that was like really my main takeaway was that mm. I just kind of like sat, found myself sitting there and like you know some of the characters were amusing and I like I I didn't hate it because like it was fine but like I just like didn't find there were a lot of punchlines. Um, there were you know like I thought David Cross was really funny um, as the UFO guy. Mm. Yeah, I was so disappointed yeah, was that saying. he was only in that one scene. Yeah, I was, was really excited short. when I saw him and then that was when well, he's the yeah. alien at the end too, right? Oh. I didn't realize that. Is he not? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I. Remember. I think that makes sense. That. Yeah, I th- I'm yeah, pretty sure he's the alien at the end as well. So, oh. um, which is hilarious. So one thing that I struggle with is like when I watch Curb because people always say, "Oh yeah, Curb is improvised and this movie's improvised." I never can tell when something is improvised. Right. So when I was watching this, I had no idea this really has like an improv feel to it. But I thought that was just the way it was. It was written. I didn't realize this was this movie was actually improvised. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think that I, I definitely like, I don't know if I knew that, but like, it definitely felt like, yeah. just like not as polished. Yeah. Most um, of, and I guess the mockumentary does that as well. Yeah. Most of guests movies are heavily improvised where they'll have the bare bones of a scene and then the car- the actors are free to just sort of, you know, riff on it however they want that they feel, you know, represents their character or what their character would say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's most it's most noticeable with um, you know, Fred Will Fred, 
actors like Fred Willard and Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara who just sometimes say the most random, obscure, weird things as their characters. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. And that's that kind of lends to the humor. But I mean, I also understand, like, if you're not into that type of comedy, it may not it may not resonate with you as much. But um, I think it's just like I, I, I always liked it because it always reminded me of ridiculous improv games and improv classes that we would have in high school and college. And I enjoy that sort of humor and that sort of banter between actors and actor types. And that sort of, that's, I mean, I, movies, movies like guests are really nostalgia type things for me because I've been around the types of people that are playing these characters and the characters themselves. So yeah, I could definitely see that. I feel like if you've worked on any productions, and I never have, mm-hmm. um, I've gone to high school musicals when I was in high school, and um, I know when I lived with Brendan, and this actually reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of one of the productions that we saw at Ford's yeah. Theater, uh, the Putnam yeah. County Spelling Bee, and it, so I definitely got got that feel from it, and just from like what I know about production. Ava, do you have any drama experience in your life? Um, not much. Although I'll just I'll I'll say that I my wife and I saw Putnam County Spelling Bee on our first date. Oh. Nice. Love Putnam County Scully. It's, I, thought, I remember seeing it's it. Really I didn't know anything show. about it when we saw yeah. it, and I thought it was really funny. It's hilarious, yeah. It's a really funny show. Um, yeah. Brendan and I guessed Putnam County Spelling Bee in a question to your movie trivia last night. Yeah, we oh, did. did. We did. Oh. For, yeah. the, uh, for the competition question. Oh, for the Euro. Yeah. They're like, I don't know, yeah, maybe, the... maybe they're making Spelling Bee into a movie? Because that would be awesome if it starred Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams in Putnam County Spelling Bee. It does seem like I would that, watch they that. should make that movie. Yeah, that, yeah. that it seems probable. <laughs> Oh, you guessed it. I would watch that movie, but instead it was Eurovision, and that's fine. Yeah, what I what <laughs> I liked about this was how <laughs> it, it leans into like the absurdity of these drama performances, and really, I mean, it's it's basically a high school musical, but it's not starring high school students. Um, but like where it's performed, where they're doing the tryouts in the schools, and you just see like the you know the, how seriously the actors and the musicians take this. And, you know, they're doing it for like a pretty small audience who's just like they're like honed in on this like terrible play. Like the play itself is really not very good. And, uh, you know, you can see uh, I can't remember that Bob Balaban, who I just keep wanting to call him Russell Dow Ripple from (laughs) Seinfeld. Uh, Like when he when he's doing the the conducting stark and dramatic and like Mm -hmm. he's taking it so seriously. So that that kind of absurdity is what I really liked. I think that's what really endears it to me as well, is it's sort of that tried and true thing of here's a lovable band of losers that are trying to make it big and pinning all their hopes and dreams into this one gig. And, you know, now we're sitting here like nervous for them, hoping it's going to work out. And then, of course, it fails spectacularly. Oh, I see. I was never nervous for them. I, I was never like. Uh, I don't know. I was never invested in the play going well watching this. I... <laughs> well, it's because you always knew it wouldn't, but you were like, also what kind jokes of... are they going to have that are going to like, yeah. <laughs> but it was uh... great. But I actually was genuinely surprised when the critic actually showed up because I went into this movie thinking that the critic wouldn't show Or actually, I guess he didn't. The critic did no, not he didn't show up. But they think he did. Right. And so, um, you know, it. I went into this movie not expecting anyone to get sat in that chair because, um, you know, famously, I, um, you know, it, the movie is based on the Sam Beckett play 
Waiting for Godot, in which there oh, are... Oh, I wondered, because the titles are so similar. Yeah, there are four characters on stage who constantly are just wasting time waiting for Godot to come. And it's basically a, um, you know, it's a, I guess, an allegory about people who are pinning all their hopes and dreams on God coming down and saving them. And um, that's sort of maps to what these characters are going through. They're pinning all their hopes and dreams on, you know, this great Guffman coming and saving them and taking them out of their miserable town. Yeah, taking to them Broadway. to Broadway. To, to so, yeah, them. that's, so it, it tracks. And so I was sort of surprised when somebody showed up into the seat because that's not what happens in the play at all. So is and is Waiting for Godot about a play and there it's like it's the same plot as this? Oh, no, okay. it's not. No, no, okay. no. It's, um... Yeah. Because I, I definitely like get like waiting for Godot, waiting for Guffman confused. So it's it's good to know that 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 is an intentional. Uh, yeah, it's an intentional homage, and that's why I sort of laughed extra hard when you know they're in the dressing room, and it was like that pity laugh that you sometimes get, where you're just like, I should not be laughing at this because this is so sad. <laughs> this is funny. Um, when it turns out he was not Guffman, he was just some random dude that was there. <laughs> and just got a balloon it was like thanks yeah he was out. loomis he was not guffman he was loomis right exactly so and i was confused why he was even there because he said his daughter had a baby so he was in town because of that but i don't know why he would go to the performance maybe they picked him up from the airport yeah uh, it was very i don't i'm not quite sure and, yeah yeah um and as soon as the voicemail memo got given to uh given mm -hmm. to corky i was like oh yeah this is definitely gonna say this guy is not guffman yeah for sure but yeah, it was um I don't know, it really it really worked for me. Um I I would be interesting to interested to know how it holds up on a rewatch. I know most of Christopher Guest's movies that I've seen hold up really well on rewatches, but I can see this being one where it doesn't necessarily. Yeah, so I uh, I started like I like I did last, so I just let it start from the beginning again, mostly because mm -hmm. I feel like the intro, like twenty minutes where they introduce everybody, the first twenty minutes yeah. was uh, I was still trying to like get a grasp on who people were in the town, and mm -hmm. so I just watched that first fifteen twenty minutes again through the beginning of the auditions, through Eugene Levy's character uh, singing, right. uh, Doctor Allen singing, and <laughs> uh, and I um, I liked it. I, I liked just what I saw a lot, and I think. This is a movie where, um, even for you, Av, where, where you didn't find it funny, but I think maybe you would find it funnier if you watched it again and you pick up on different things, like different phrases the characters say, mm. trying to write them down. And it just like it's I don't I don't think it really plays well on a podcast to talk through yeah. different jokes that were in the movie. Yeah, it's like it's one of those things where when you when you have to explain the joke, that makes it not as funny. <laughs> it's yeah, I didn't take I didn't put any any notes down for this movie to be honest except for connections I, I i laugh the hardest i think when they introduce blaine as the school the stool capital of the world <laughs> yes <laughs> yes that was good yeah. Um, I, I I thought also it was really funny when uh, I, I don't even remember which character was uh, is auditioning for a part in the play and decides to do a, the reading for Raging Bull of the scene where yes. <laughs> where um, he gets confronted uh, by whether he slept with his wife. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to figure out if that was even from Raging Bull. I, yeah, I, I yeah, it is. It was. Okay. No, it is. There's a there's a scene where he where uh, Robert De Niro's character uh, accuses Joe Pesci, who's his brother, uh, of having an affair with his wife and. And then they kind of do the same scene in Casino as well, which is kind of funny. Like they, they have the same sort of scene where Robert De Niro confronts Joe Pesci about screwing his wife, and it's so it's really funny. But I also 
I also really liked um, when the, I like I liked the that they were uh, travel agents, Catherine O'Hara. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Fred Willard. <laughs> that they're travel agents who have never left the town before. Yeah. <laughs> it says, like, some people find the irony in it, but I don't remember exactly what he said. But he said, like, he says a word that's not irony. He, like, stumbles over the word. Um, and I think, like, one thing if I watched it on a rewatch is just watching their relationship because I think that mm-hmm. I was starting to pick up by the end that, like, he wouldn't let her do anything and he kept, like, being dominant over her and taking over. Uh, and so. Yeah. Like, I think it would be fun to watch their relate, just their interactions a little bit more. Uh, well, sure. the, joke, the joke is a little bit that, like, they're, like, more focused on him, even though he's completely incompetent, right? Like, right. right. And she's actually decent. Half yeah. Decent like, they, really like, they joke that, like, about how good his, uh, his impressions are. But she's like, sometimes they're so good, I have to tell her who, who I'm doing the impression. <laughs> who they're. Uh, yes. Not a sign of a good impression, from what I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I would I will say that uh, so the character that's Ron Alberts and uh, Eugene Levy's character Dr. Alan Pearl they're I feel like those two are very um, and I like them both they were both very funny but I just felt like if I had to like it, they just are kind of written exactly the same way like even the joke that you just mentioned of um, it, Eugene Levy Dr. Allen has like a a line where he says like you know a lot of people might ask me you know ask me that if I was the class clown growing up. And the answer is no. It's, it's like it's almost the exact same joke, but yeah. it also was very funny. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the I feel like the costumes in general were just uh, not really the costumes, I guess. Just like because I guess they were dressed as people dressed in the mid '90s, but it just looked it's like it looked so dated and was like the ties and the giant the giant sports coats and things like that. Um, and uh, what what about Corky's outfits? How did you guys feel about Corky? Corky reminded me of several theater professionals that I've worked with throughout the years mm-hmm. who are, you know, a little flamboyant, a little unself-aware, and a little over-the-top, and but have a really great heart and are really well-meaning and just want the best for every show they put on. And so he's, like, immensely relatable to anyone who's ever taken part in any level of theater like you've met you've met a quirky st Clair. yeah i feel like he's he is definitely the like most memorable character from this Mm. movie um you know he's the guy he's the guy on the cover and i think before i saw this i assumed that he was guffman and that that's what they were waiting for is is this quirky st Clair to be guffman Mm. um which is not the case Uh, and the interactions between him and, and bob balaban were really great as well yeah yeah, did, I mean the um, some of some of his his lines and stuff I thought was a little dated in terms of like the gay stuff. Um, mm-hmm. like I, don't, I, I don't know how much of that would would pass muster today. I mean, I uh, I'm, I'm certainly not looking to uh, to cancel anybody. Right. Uh, no, so I, I didn't notice anything that was too because I was wondering about that. I didn't notice anything that seemed too dated about him. nothing specific. I don't know. I guess it's kind of like maybe just like the broadness of the character. It's mm-hmm. just like something that like today I think people would expect like a, a gay character like that not to just like play so much into just like flamboyant tropes and, and mm-hmm. cliche and that sort of stuff. So maybe it was just like the whole broadness of the character just like rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. Like this wasn't like it, did, it didn't feel like a real person. It felt like a caricature of a gay drama person. I can see that. Uh, but they, they never really... ex- explicitly say he's gay. In the, in... Oh, right. so maybe I'm, maybe I'm the one who's canceled. You know? yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's but then they also like double down on everything they set up for that character with everything that happens 
at the end when he actually moves to New York and has this little weird, 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 weird theater boutique where he's selling memorabilia from every poster is a Wizard of Oz poster and every place that is obscure AF, like the, you know, we'll get to it later in Connections, but my dinner with Andre playset and a Remains of the Day lunchbox. I, I thought that was great. That was like that, that was really that last funny scene was a very good nowhere. way to end the movie because it's like yeah, it, it like is again like just like pointing out the absurdity. Like this stuff definitely obviously does not exist. There is no right. uh, mine and Earth Andre action figures, and yeah, he's selling this stuff that just like make. Why would they ever make any of this stuff? It's just like a tiny wall of Sean, and I'm like dying. It was right. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also speaking of like dinner with Andre, I thought the scene at the Chinese restaurant was mm. overall just like a, a like I don't know if uh Mrs. Albertson, what was her name? Uh, Sheila Albertson was drunk during that scene or what? It just kind of came out of nowhere. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense, but uh I, I enjoyed that scene. But I I think overall, you know, the the movie does a really good job with individual scenes um giving each character a moment to shine in an individual scene or two. Um, other than that, um, I'm trying to think. I, I really, the audition scenes are all great. Um, the Midnight at the Oasis song that Catherine O'Hara and Fred Willard sing is really hilarious because <laughs> they just sell it the whole time. Uh, and we should talk that. about Parker Posey because she was yeah, the connection should. between the two movies. So, of course, she was in Columbus last week, um, which was about a small town, Columbus, Indiana, not Columbus, Ohio. And um, she she was one of the uh, the people who wasn't from that town that came into the town along with uh, John Cho's character. And yeah, she plays a lot of Libby May. Libby, in this, she plays Libby May. Okay. Yeah, she's very, she's great. I love Parker Posey. She's really great whenever she shows up somewhere. Yeah, so I thought she really funny, subtle scene where she was uh, grilling a ch- just a single chicken wing on the barbecue. I don't know <laughs> if you picked up on that. Um, so good food stuff in in this between the Chinese the Chinese restaurant scene and the uh, the single chicken wing on the barbecue, and then her talking about the Dairy Queen as well that she wants to have a, a low fat non fat. Blizzard, I think, is what she said she wanted to create. And like, there's just like it's it's hard to explain just some of the little things. And I think it's either you kind of liked it or you didn't like. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, and, and they were like, how long have you worked at uh, at Dairy Queen? And, and she has to think about it for like the longest time. And then the answer is eight months. <laughs> and then she like leaves and actually work, starts working at a different Dairy Queen. It's, right. In Alabama. Like, yes. Yeah. It's really sad and yeah. funny because. Um, as the as the person who just finished watching forty seasons of Survivor, how do you feel like the confessionals in Waiting for Guffman compared to the confessionals? Um, less devious, um, <laughs> less uh, less agenda driven, um, less uh, someone just trying to uh, become a celebrity. Right. Uh, more more genuine. Um, not as funny, although I guess not all of them on Survivor are funny. But yeah, I, I again like there were just there there were very few moments in this movie where I really like audibly laughed like there was like mm-hmm. chuckles here and there um but you know I, I can't even think of any specific confessionals that really stood out as like oh wow that was a really good one and like do you laugh at a, do you laugh at a lot of movies when you watch by yourself 
No? Um, yeah, sometimes. Um, yeah, I definitely, definitely more so at the theater. I mean, there's no question or when you watch mm-hmm. with other people, like there's no question that a group and just laughter can be infectious and just like that kind of just like makes you laugh. Right. Um, but you know, a really funny movie that I watch by myself late at night, I'll crack up at for sure. Yeah. Like, uh, uh cause I feel like a good comparison to this. I mean, we talked about, uh, Kirby enthusiasm in terms of the improv and obviously Avi also podcast about Kirby enthusiasm. I feel like that is just the feel of this movie. Like I'll watch Kirby enthusiasm. Ooh, that's clever or that's like really uncomfortable but i don't feel like i, I am like laughing out loud watching curb either right interesting right. yeah I, de- I definitely laugh out loud at curb a lot oh you do okay yeah for sure um i mean some of it is also like and like and you know i i don't want to like accuse that that's what's going on here but a lot of it just like felt just like mean-spirited to me and that it was just like these small town bumpkins were like the butt of the joke in mm-hmm. a way that like on parks and recreation they are not at all like it's parks and recreation i thought i always found was very endearing of the people that it's kind of for lack of a better term characterizing and, and targeting um it's like done with love whereas here i just felt like the takeaway was like oh these people in small towns are incompetent idiots who can't even put on a, a decent stage play um and again maybe that was a misread by me it's i, I i'm certainly not saying that's what what was intended that's just how a lot of it came off to me mm-hmm. interesting yeah i guess i guess i can see that i feel like uh and maybe this can you know we start talking about some connections to other movies but it reminded me a lot of fargo in the yeah. way that it, it yeah, you know, our very first small town vibe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Argo and uh, Hot Fuzz is definitely, oh, Hot definitely Fuzz, yeah. some of, some yeah. of both of those, so that like, kind of just like making yeah. fun of kind of like that small town thing. But I think even in even in Hot Fuzz, and I think especially in Fargo, it's it's done with a, a purpose that I found was not present as much here. And mm-hmm. I don't right. know, maybe that's why it kind of just didn't sit as well with me. Yeah, well, that's that's Fair that enough. makes sense. Uh, Groundhog Day is another one that I wrote down as uh, taking yeah. place in a small town. Yeah. Somehow we end up in these small town movies. Yeah, Poxatoni. Uh, yeah, and then uh, obviously Columbus from last week, small mm-hmm. town, as well as Parker Posey is in both. Uh, which uh, which performance did you guys prefer? This was a weird connection for us to do, because I didn't feel like she was given all that much to do in either movie. <laughs> um, yeah. But I definitely thought she had a more defined performance in this I agree. than in Columbus. In Columbus, she could have been put, that character could have pretty much been played by any standard mid 30s brunette. You know, she didn't do anything to stand out in that role. Right. Like so much so that as we're talking about Columbus, I I don't even remember what her character's name was in that. And I could have looked it up, but uh, I did not. So, um, yeah. I I, I think just the audition scene, which I watched right before we came on this podcast, I rewatched that. And, um, is she she's singing teacher's pet in this like seductress way mm-hmm. and does like splits at the end like she's got like it's very physical performance in this yeah movie. um another connection we have uh brad doyle murray was has a cameo in this and is also in uh groundhog day as well right oh really who does he play in this is it he the man is it he the mayor in groundhog day uh oh maybe could be but he's red savage in this and i believe that is uh Johnny Savage's dad, the the car shop owner. Mm. He's in like a brief blink and you miss it scene when um when Corky goes to recruit Johnny Savage for the play and Brad Doyle Murray is there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I do kind of remember. I did I did not put that together. Uh there were a couple though that I did put together. Paul Dooley apparently is in Insomnia as well. Mm. Uh, I don't remember him being in Insomnia. Paul Dooley is in this. And uh, another okay. one, which I definitely don't remember at all, was uh, Catherine O'Hara apparently was in Dick Tracy. Was she? 
So according to the internet, she was. Wait, I don't remember. She played. Uh, Tex- a- she played Texi Garcia, which I don't even remember. It must have been that a character. It must have been a. It must have been a singer in Big Boys Club. Oh, okay. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe her. she was a singer in Big Boys Club, but yeah. Catherine O'Hara seems to get all of these musical roles that she's actually really good at, where she's, you know, always singing or dancing or both in a movie, and I really like that. Hmm. Um, and as a, as someone who's been in the middle of Shit's Creek forever. Um, as a TV show, I, I'm still on season four of that, even though I started in January. Um, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy are just fantastic together in everything they do. Um, if you're not watching Schitt's Creek, highly recommend Schitt's Creek. In- are they both in Schitt's Creek? Yeah, and they play a married couple. Um, and it's uh, it has a lot of Christopher Guest-esque vibes um, that I've... So- I should definitely watch Shit's Creek. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've I've actually watched uh, I watched two or three episodes of Shit's Creek and was not a fan. Not not your thing. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife constantly tries to get me to try it again because she really liked it. And I'm just like, so just watch it. Like you don't you don't need me. I've heard it's really so, funny. I I, I have like heard it's it. funny and I've heard that it gets better. But like I watched like it it just made me cringe a lot. And I th- I think this this kind of did that too. It was just like too. I was just very uncomfortable at times. It's so funny because I feel like Curve is like the most yeah. uncomfortable show. Yeah. For whatever yeah, reason, I really guess Larry David's stick. I just find hilarious and, and this 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 kind of tone and what i i guess it was also i, I found a similar tone in hot fuzz right. um yeah there's just something about like that dry awkwardness that just mm-hmm. i don't enjoy right yeah i think um yeah and i guess i'll get into it when when i give my rating of the movie but uh it's not necessarily the awkwardness for me that i liked about this but just like the subtlety and the the uh, a couple other connections that I pulled from other movies that we've talked about. So uh, the idea of the director also starring in the movie that mm. was uh, connected to Dick Tracy. Yeah, Maybe there's other movies that we've covered that had that, but I know de- definitely Dick Tracy was that of the movies that we've talked about. Yeah, and uh, my my cousin Vinny also has the small town. Oh yeah, working characters in a small town feel. Um, and then at the end of the movie. What? The Albertsons end up in Hollywood. So everybody ends up in different spots. Um, yeah. And uh, Dr. Allen goes and continues his career performing for the community mm. in Miami, which uh, Miami, of course, was brought up with the travel. Um, <laughs> oh, when, during the Chinese restaurant scene. That was when it was brought up. Yeah. But the Albertsons, they finally left uh, Blaine, Missouri. They said they became bi-coastal now. And <laughs> they are playing uh, Cowboys. In a yeah. performance in Hollywood. So that well, reminds me. Time in Hollywood connection. Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, there we go. I like it. I like it. Any any other connections you guys had? Not uh, at the moment, no. no. Not that I get to go. Uh, cool. All right, well, let's get on to our feedback from the listeners on this movie. And uh, Brendan, why don't you start? Yeah, I'll tackle uh, our buddy Olin wrote in uh, as usual. And Owen says that was a fun, enjoyable, breezy watch. Uh, never really had any down moments and kept going with plenty of good jokes and humorous characterizations with plot nice and simple and continually moving forward. Uh, I agree with that. As is appropriate for a movie ladder podcast, some of my favorite lines were film or actors referencing mainly through Corky. Uh, Corky's trying to convince a middle America mechanic to join his acting troupe by mentioning all of all people, Charles Lawton, which is a weird reference to a uh, movie star from the 50s and 60s. 
Mm, I didn't um, even catch that. Corky's totally getting the preparation for his role for Henry Higgins wrong in My Fair Lady, which is also true because that's not at all the uh, not at all the correct mm. <laughs> performance for Henry Higgins at all. Um, having action figures for perhaps the least actionable of films in My Dinner with Andre and uh, not really any complaints. Uh, it didn't have that little bit of extra to make it a truly great film, but fulfilled this role admirably and was a great watch. Uh, Parker Posey was wonderful. Let me make was probably the most talented of the performers in the play. I don't know. Do you guys agree with that? Is is she the most talented of everyone in the uh, in the town? Um, would I would say I thought she was she was like physically the most talented. Like she did the most dancing and, and the splits. Um, mm-hmm. It had the most charisma, and she was young. So I guess you know, sure, I, I wouldn't I yeah, wouldn't argue enough. with that. Fair enough. Uh, also, lo- he also loved Catherine O'Hara's hairstyle and. Uh, loved how the front was always curled up. Uh, yeah, that reminded me of like something about Mary. I was like, is her yeah. hair sticking up? Like yeah. sticking straight up all the time? <laughs> and uh, Eugene Levy's lazy eye was wonderful and weirded, weirded him out, which is really funny. Uh, the uh, late, so the, I, I forgot to mention that. Speaking yeah. of like talented acting, the way that he does the lazy eye and does his eyes cross-eyed like that, um, well, kind of probably, you know, uh, might be a little mean spirited as as Ob referenced. Like I just think the actor actually pulling that off and being able to do that as he takes his glasses off was right. pretty impressive. Right, I thought that was really good too. And if not a little, yeah, it's I, I think that's the main thing that Christopher Guest's humor does is he makes you laugh at things that you know deep down you probably shouldn't be laughing at, but. They're done in a way that are just really unique and funny. Like you, like if you watch Best in Show, that it really comes across in uh, Best in Show because there are a lot of really good jokes and lines in there that shouldn't be funny, and just because of the delivery of the actors and the way the actors say them, come across extremely funny. So to round it out, um, he gives props to the late great Fred Willard, um, and he's going to rate the stock this movie four out of five stars nice i, I should have known when i saw all yeah. good review that i wouldn't like this movie <laughs> all right fair enough all right. Uh, jim uh, jim writes in to say he didn't care for waiting for guffman so we have we go from someone praising it to someone that didn't care for it as much felt like a bit over long like a felt like an overlong Carol Burnett show sketch. Uh, he's going to give it two stars because there were some funny lines. Um, and I think that I think that leads to back to what you were sort of saying about you could see how it might be okay to watch it with commercials like I did because it kind of felt like a TV show. Uh-huh. I'd be degree. curious where they put the breaks. I mean, there's I think there's some yeah. clear spots for breaks. So because there were the, a couple it of is sort breaks. of like sketches. Yeah, there were a couple of really awkward breaks. Um, mm-hmm. They took a break during the middle of the auditions, which I got really annoyed by. Mm. Instead of yeah. breaking after the auditions, and right. but other than that, it was pretty pretty okay. Um, and Jeff wrote in with a movie with his movie review. Uh, there, this was an oddly entertaining movie. It was humorous, but not really that funny. No big no big laugh spots at all, but it was very enjoyable. I uh, liked the interview style of storytelling. Found myself wondering why I was enjoying it because it was very goofy. 
I was certain that Guffman wasn't going to show up, and when he didn't introduce himself, <laughs> I knew instantly that it was some random person and not Guffman. Lewis. Overall, gives it a three, but uh, it was not good, but not great. <laughs> so three is good, and uh, Owen Craig writes in just to say five stars for both you and the movie. Thanks, oh, Craig. Thank you, Owen. Yeah. Thanks, Owen. I like Owen Craig. So uh, that's going to average us out with the listeners to a 3.5, Zach. 3.5. Um, all right. So I will uh, I'll start with my rating. Um, and actually, I feel like I'm the most in line with Jeff, um, but I'm a little bit mm-hmm. higher on this movie than he is. I just like I find myself like smiling a lot watching this movie and really liking it, like just enjoying myself. Um, you know, there were a couple moments that actually made me laugh out loud. And there were things that even on like the end I caught that I didn't catch the first time, just knowing more about the the uh, characters. So I think, you know, it's it's definitely a unique kind of uh kind of movie the way it's shot as a mockumentary it Mm. reminded me quite a bit uh having being more familiar with something before this was the game of thrones uh that they did uh, what was that called the like nbc thing that they did like red uh red nose day the nbc video where they have all the game of thrones actors in there making game of thrones the musical which is a very very funny video if you've never seen it if you're a game of thrones fan uh it's basically the game of thrones version of waiting for guffman and yeah. and I would be curious to watch more of the CRISPR Cuss movies. I've seen yeah. this is Final Tap a long time ago, but I haven't seen anything else that he's done. Um, so I'm going to give it a three and a half stars. Nice. Um, why don't you go next? Since I think you're probably lower on this than I am. Yeah. Um, although I'm not much lower, um, I will. Uh, I'll give this a two and a half. Um, as I said, there were moments that I enjoyed and I liked. I, I mean, I like the whole style of it. And I guess it's been done a lot, but I know that. Christopher Guest with these movies really moved this genre a lot forward. And, you know, it's yeah. just to say, oh, this is like a ripoff of Parks and Recreation is obviously not true. It's kind of right. the opposite. Right. Um, but, you know, as I said, you know, I just I just didn't enjoy myself most of the time that I was watching this, even though it was easy to watch as compared to last week's movie, which I didn't really enjoy myself for most of it. And it was hard to get through. Right. Um, we got to get out back on last board week's for movie. the next movie. Gotta get yeah. Yeah. But uh, yes, I'll give it a two and a half. There's there's what to admire in there, but it just unfortunately was not something that I got a lot of enjoyment out of. Yeah, and I I, I completely understand your point, and I will concede this that of Christopher Guest's big four movies, it's definitely fourth for me. It's not as good as Spinal Tap. It's not as good as Best in Show, and it's not as good as A Mighty Wind. Um, so. Even given that, I can't give it as high as I probably would want to or wanted to right after I finished watching it. I think I'm more in line with you guys, with Zach and the listeners, where I had a really good time watching this, and it was really light and breezy, easy to watch, didn't have to think about it too much, really good jokes. But am I going to remember too much about it in a couple of weeks? Probably not, whereas his other films stick with you and have stuck with me a lot more. But I love Christopher Guest. This movie definitely, um, you know, paved the way for a lot of things that came after it. It's better than average, but it's not quite there. So I'm going to go with the listeners average and Zach's score and give it a 3.5. And that's going to average us out to a 3.25, which we can't do on Letterboxd. <laughs> but we're going to round this up and we're going to give it a 3.5. And that's all I have to say about it. Yeah, I think between, you know, if, if three of the point five and one is lower, then I think we'd just go towards a 3.5. Yeah, I will say, too, 
uh, just I was just looking at the letterbox page for this and there's a review that comes up towards the top. It's one of the more popular reviews. And I feel like this summarizes really well what I liked about this movie. And it's by a guy named Steve Sandberg. And he said, an amazing detail I never noticed before. Uh, before the Nothing Ever Happens on Mars song, Catherine mm-hmm. O'Hara and Fred Willard's married couple are backstage, her painstakingly fixing his hair for him as he fusses over the details, after which he tells her, now you can fix yours, graciously allowing her the few seconds left before they're due on stage <laughs> to take care of her own appearance. The next mm-hmm. scene, they're we- they're on stage and he's wearing a hat. <laughs> Something okay. I did not pick up on at all, and that's yeah. like, it's such okay. a good little detail of this movie. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. If you've seen this and you want to watch it again, uh, you only have to wait a couple hours before it's on Hulu. And maybe you'll pick up on some of those little character notes that uh, you did not have the first time. And and I hope if this is your first Christopher Guest watch, this encourages you to visit some of his other films that we've talked about throughout this podcast that are on par with, if not better than this one. Um, what was, So what was the next one that he did after this? Next was Best in Show which okay. a lot of people would argue is his best movie. Oh. Um, I personally am a bigger Almighty Wind fan than Best in Show, but, you know, they're both really, really great. And Spinal Tap, I think, is probably going to be the one he's remembered for the most. And he's done a couple of more recent ones that are not nearly as good. Uh, for Your Consideration is about an award show gone wrong, and Mascots is about a competition between different uh college and high school mascots at a mascot competition and hmm. it's awful it's awful uh, it's awful so it it's looks really like he didn't uh he didn't actually direct spinal this is spinal tap he just wrote this is spinal right. tap but he did direct the, the rest of them okay so uh what is the most i'm trying to think like are there any recent mockumentaries that have come out? the most recent one is one that would be on my list that i found oh, okay. that i yeah. it's one that yeah, i see that's very good let's get to our own connections and a couple oh. of them might come up Perfect. Yeah. All right. So, so uh, that movie gets a 3.5 on its ratings mm-hmm. overall. And let's move over to our ladder now. Uh, of course, the ladder is where we pick the next movie based on suggestions from the listeners and us. And then we will narrow that down to a final three and pick one from that final three to be our movie that we will watch next week that somehow connects. Of course, if you want to send in your uh, your next movie connections based on whatever we're going to pick, you can either tweet that at us at Ladder Movie or you can email us themovieladder at gmail.com. So either way, you can send mm-hmm. those in. So we're going to decide on a movie for next week. Um, I am curious because and we'll, we'll get to the host, the host suggestions at the end. But mm-hmm. before we came on, I've said that he had a very funny suggestion that we definitely are going to pick. I very funny suggestion. I didn't say say it was very funny, and I didn't say we will pick it. I said it's not really a good connection, but it's it's an okay connection. But we definitely should pick it. I I I have have one that's a little bit outside the box that I think we definitely should pick. I have a movie that also has an outside the box connection that I just came up with while we were talking about through this movie. So, um, but I also have about nine other things I wrote down. So we'll see. We'll see what we'll see. What might we, have to do a double to shot it. next week. <laughs> we might have to. We'll see if there's any crossover between our lists. I feel like Av yeah. and I the same movie, but uh, we'll find out. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What do we got for our listener connections? Uh, the first is from Molly. Of course, this we didn't even mention it. This was Molly's suggestion. Last week was yeah. the first time that she sent her suggestion and it got picked. Uh, so winner, Molly's winner, our friend. Dinner. Yeah, Molly's our friend Veggie Dog, dog with two G's on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. And she suggested 
that we do waiting for Guffman last week. And this week she says, my totally obvious latter suggestion is remains of the day. Uh, that is because of the lunchbox. She says she's still trying to find that lunchbox to order. Uh, and another suggestion would be the 1986 movie True Stories, which is it uh, centers around a small town in Texas, also celebrating the sesquicentennial and has a cast of colorful characters. It is co-written by Stephen Tobolowsky, who was Ned Ryerson in, in Groundhog Day. Uh, so is that true story? Does that mean it's is David, is that David Byrne, the guy from uh, The Talking, Talking Heads? Heads? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Mm. I haven't even heard a true story. Neither. Oh, true stories. Yeah, David Byrne, John Goodman. So is it David Byrne from The Talking Heads? Do we know? It certainly looks to be, yes. I had no idea he did any movies. Did not either. All right, so Olin wrote in and he said a couple movies. He said The Producers, because the plot is about producing and delivering a theatrical musical. It's the one from 1968. I believe this one's come up before. Um, And Mel Brooks his breakthrough comedy so i've never seen the producers i mean i know the basic premise of it but i've never seen mm. the the stage performance or the movie for the producers and i think they made a yeah. second movie and i the original producers is really really fun it's a really funny movie um i you know the remake i don't care for as much with matthew broderick and nathan lane oh, okay. um but yeah the the original one's really good um classic gene wilder um yeah it's a good right. it's a good suggestion so uh, let's see. So we had both Olin and Jim Crumley write in. They both wrote in with, uh, I guess this is probably one of the more obvious ones. That is my dinner with Andre because it is referenced yeah. in Waiting for Guffman at the, in the Unseen. Um, Olin says he's never seen it, but there were a lot of direct references you could choose from. Uh, he's interested in putting it on his watch list and maybe he's going to create his own set of action pig- figures to replicate <laughs> the film if I like it. Jim says uh, he... The connection, he listed out the connection about Corky having the diorama of My Dinner with Andre at the end. And both movies are centered around theater. You know what? I just the connection re- between the uh, My Dinner with Andre and the Chinese restaurant as well. I just restaurant. realized that the My Dinner with Andre Wallace Shawn figure is a j- joke because they were both in Princess Bride. Christopher Gaston, Wallace Shawn. So oh. it's like a little dig at his friend. No, oh, I didn't realize. So that. it's like a meta joke for hmm. yeah. That's that's hilarious because they're both in Princess Bride. I didn't realize Chris Christopher Guest was in Princess Bride. Yeah, he's um uh Ru- the six figured man, Regan. Oh okay. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, my my dinner with Andre. If you did like my dinner with Andre, there is an episode of Community that is how I was first introduced to that movie. I didn't know anything about the movie before the the parody episode on Community, which uh, Community is streaming on Netflix. So I'd recommend that. Nice. All right, then uh, Jeff had a couple. He said, this is Spinal Tap, uh, mostly for Fred Willard. Who would uh, also be a Christopher Guest uh, wrote that movie. And then uh, Fred Willard is in Austin Powers. So uh, I, don't, I don't remember who don't Fred recall. Willard played in Austin Powers. Um, I don't recall. I, I do sort of remember him. I, think I, always think of, I always think of Fred Willard as being the president in Wally. That's like the, that's uh, the role I always think of him from. So... Hmm. And uh, Jeff's wife, Jean, suggested American Pie because Eugene Levy. Nice. We did have a lot of actors in this movie who play uh, people's dads in 90s comedies. We had Larry Miller, who is the dad in 10 Things I Hate About You. We had Mm. uh, Eugene Levy in American Pie. Fred Willard probably played a dad in some comedy as well. 
imagine. Uh, Catherine O'Hara in Beetlejuice, which yep. make and and Home Alone. Well. And Home Alone, yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's get into our host connections. Uh, Av, do you want to go first? We'll see if the movie that you picked is the one that I was also thinking of. <laughs> okay. Um, so the first I'm going to pick, uh, there's uh, there's three uh, three levels of this. Well, there's one one movie that I have seen, one movie that I haven't seen, and one movie that mm-hmm. I've kind of seen. Oh, cool. So the movie I have seen is the, the one I kind of referenced earlier, a recent mockumentary that I'd like to re-see and then watch the uh the TV show that was adapted from it, which I've heard is very good as well, mm. and that is what we do in the shadows. Oh, nice! Uh, yeah, all right. That did feel, yeah, that did feel like an obvious one that I didn't pick because I, I, I assumed Zach was going to pick it actually. Okay, You've, so you haven't seen that, or you? Haven't? I, I have seen it, but I haven't seen the show, and I kind of, yeah. I was been thinking, oh, maybe I'll, I'll rewatch it and then watch the show, and I think it's a good fit here. Mm-hmm. Um, the second is one that I have not seen, and I think it's come up at least once, if not twice, before on this podcast and that is the i think it's technically a mockumentary but it's kind of just like a whole weird thing and that's i'm still here the bob dylan movie yep um which i think qualifies as a mockumentary so that would be the connection Mm. and then my third which is what i believe we should be doing this weekend and next week or whatever whenever is we record and is a uh a movie of a play um also starts out off Broadway, but eventually became very much on Broadway, and mm-hmm. it is a debuting on streaming this weekend. So this would be a movie letter first of a new movie, mm-hmm. and that is Hamilton, an American musical, streaming on Disney Plus this Friday. Ding 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 ding. That ding, was ding, 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 ding. I had that one written down before I it even was, started it was, this movie. Yeah, so. I, I took it off and put Little Shop of Horrors, but yeah, <laughs> I'll go okay. into I'll go into my connections next. Three no. on Hamilton. That's a good choice. Uh, what we do in the shadows is a great choice too. Uh, I wanted to pick a few different things. Um, I had a few honorable mentions. Uh, Big Night, I thought of during the podcast because it's about two chefs who are scrambling to impress a reviewer who may or may not show up to their restaurant. So it's thematically a lot like Waiting for Guffman. Um, but it's uh, uh, Tony Shalhoub and uh, Stanley Tucci. Really great movie if you haven't seen it. Um, but I'm not going to put it on my list, but it's an honorable mention. Um, All About Eve is also an honorable mention. It's about uh, an up-and-coming Broadway performer who is trying to unseat the le- the outgoing leading lady in a show that she's understudying for. Um, fantastic Betty Davis performance. Uh, that's an honorable mention. Uh, Beetlejuice is also... In honorable mention, uh, Catherine O'Hara in a role where she's singing and dancing. Um, on my list, though, I realized that we almost went with this a couple of weeks ago and wouldn't be that if we did. And I'm going to put Nashville back up there mm. because it centers around an anniversary concert in a small town in, in outside of Nashville where they're gathering a bunch of people to, you know, perform at a... Um, I believe it's the bicent- tricentennial. It's July fourth, right. whatever. Yeah, Ni- July fourth, nineteen seventy six. Nineteen seventy six. So tri- tricentennial. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. Um. So Nashville, I'm throwing back out there. I also want to throw in there, uh, two Philip Seymour Hoffman movies, both centering around, um, trying to make a play or art in a small town, and that's State and Maine and Schenectady, New York. Mm. Uh, I hear about Schenectady, yeah. New York. So those yeah. are my three. I saw, I saw Schenectady, Schenectady, New York, uh, Schenectady, New York. Um, yeah. 
Oh, and I, I also said uh, that like a year ago. Uh, it's very weird. I enjoyed a lot of it, but it's a very weird. Yeah, it's a weird movie. Um, I haven't seen it since the first time I watched it, but I remember thinking it was really, really weird. And I also did say I was going to put in Little Shop of Horrors because of the singing dentist. So Little Shop of Horrors because of the singing dentist. Okay, so cool. That's it. So you guys, are you, are you listed a ton of movies. So you have Nashville, yeah. uh, Little Shop of Horrors. What else do you have? State and Maine and Schenectady, New York. All right, cool. I do like Little Shop of Horrors. I feel like that's come yeah. up a couple times as well. All right, so uh, yes, my first suggestion, I thought it was so clever when I came up with it. And then I, when <laughs> I said, I have a clever connection that I think uh, I think we should definitely do. So that was the same one. I will also say Hamilton. It is coming out on Disney+. Plus. And I also think that the... We'll wait for it. The fact that, well, you'd only have to wait till Friday. Um, and the fact that it about like a historical story about mm. like the founding of the country and the play that they were doing also was about the history of this town. Right. I think it makes a lot yep. of sense. I think um, it makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah. So let's see, some other ones. Uh, so uh, at one point, Corky says, Mamma Mia. And <laughs> that's another musical. So I'll just say Mamma Mia as well. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, there's so many different actors in this. I could have gone so many different ways. And I don't feel like I, yeah. outside of Hamilton, I was like Hamilton. And then I just like couldn't think of any other connections. Um, so the other one that I have is another movie with uh, Larry Miller in a small role. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, in this movie alongside somebody who was in Seinfeld. That person who was in Seinfeld is Jason Alexander. Ah. And uh, this movie is Pretty Woman. Oh, nice. Okay. Be the Seinfeld oh, slash Larry Miller connection for Pretty Woman. Because, uh, of course, the guy who plays Russell Dalrymple was in this movie. And Russell, right. he, Russell Dalrymple was the... Had NBC, I think, in Seinfeld, I believe. Uh, yeah. So we're all just going to give the listeners a treat next week and say we're all watching Hamilton, right? Yeah, well, let's pick our final three, but I would say probably. Might as well, <laughs> might as well just enjoy it. All right, all right, all right. Just to, um, so uh, I guess, Brendan, you have to pick Hamilton. Since yeah, I've done to, to pick Hamilton, so all right. we'll, we'll do we'll it. We'll just do this for posterity's sake. Yeah. Uh Let's see. I will the pick... Only one that gives a good oh, why, why, why don't we run down all the choices again for... Oh, uh, yeah, right. Yes. Yes. For the benefit of those of us who didn't write it down or aren't listening <laughs> carefully at home. Yes. Uh, all right. So uh, our options to pick from are Remains of the Day, True Stories, The Producers, My Dinner with Andre, This is Spinal Tap, Austin Powers, American Pie, What We Do in the Shadows, I'm Still Here, Hamilton Twice... Mamma Mia, Pretty Woman, Nashville, State in Maine, Schenectady, New York, and Little Shop of Horrors. All right. So, Brandon, you picked Hamilton. I am going to pick Hamilton, yeah. Why not? Um, I'll pick the producers. Producers. All right. Oh, man. Big day for Olin. I'm going to pick the uh, movie that both Olin and Jim suggested. That is My Dinner with Andre with the action figures. And with that, I would say if anybody watches my dinner with Andre, you got to watch that episode of Community as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I, guess... I just I just did that a um, couple months ago. I talked about it on uh, recent watches. Oh, really? About Community and my dinner with Andre? Uh, yeah, I, I watched. Uh, I fi- I finally saw my dinner with Andre, and then went back and watched the Community episode that I didn't really understand the first time around. Right. Nice. Yeah, I feel like it was such an obscure reference for that. For yeah. That show. Very, yeah. Very strange. But it also kind of makes sense for that show. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, um, so I mean, I think I think yeah. we're all in agreement here. Is that is that right? Yeah, why not? I mean, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to do something. It'll be fun to be some, do something new that's kind of part of the zeitgeist for once. Exactly, it'll be nice to give the 
give the listeners something new and fun and yeah, it'll be yeah, instead of, you know, making them shell out four ninety nine to rent some obscure movie they've never heard of. Yeah, they gotta um, just shell out six ninety nine a month for Disney Plus. Exactly. <laughs> or shell out uh two hundred dollars for a ticket. Oh jeez. Yeah. yeah. And I think I I think it would be fair to say that we will be the only podcast covering Hamilton in the next week. So Yeah, oh. I'm sure nobody else is gonna talk yeah. about Hamilton next week. Um, uh and Brennan's the only one who hasn't seen Hamilton Correct. on, on stage. And, Correct. I've only listened to the official cast recording and the cast recording remix about 50 times, but I've never seen it. Uh, Should we bring your pretty, pretty good podcast partner, Alex Chester, on here to give his terrible list of Hamilton songs, of ranking Hamilton songs? Please don't. Um, I guess not. Brendan is against it. We Um, We can put it in the show notes. It's actually hard to find now because they changed their server or something. <laughs> I'll I'll wait a couple of days and then I'll start uh, tweeting at Hamilton cast members to see if they want to come on. But I want to oh, spoil yeah. it for anyone, so we'll wait Manuel, Thursday. Yeah, he can do it from his home office, right? He can join in. Yeah, they could just, just they could just zoom now, so it's easy. They're all used to it. Yeah. Just, so, was this movie like? Did they just film a stage production? A few my years? understanding yes. is yes, they okay. filmed one of the last performances of the original cast. With the original cast, yeah. yeah. Was it the one that Mike Pence attended? Uh, I don't think that was with the original cast. Oh. Yes. All right. They should have filmed that one. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm very. I'm very excited to see it. I'm very excited to see I'm how they kind of how they filmed it. You know how they kind of put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, at a minimum, it, the songs will be awesome. So I'm not worried. But I feel uh, like I, we, I saw already some reviews trickling out that said it's very well done. So I, I, I feel I'm like if surprised. we didn't pick it, our listeners would never be satisfied. So <laughs> yeah, all right, well, look we at you. Save, we can save those for next week. Yes. Um, all right. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll start closing this out with uh, with that. So next week, of course, we are watching Hamilton because it's a musical, and Waiting for Guffman was about the production of a musical, and it's a historical musical, much like the history of Blaine. Um, yes, and that that's our connection to Waiting for Guffman. Yeah. yeah. So, and you can find Hamilton. The only place I think you can find it is on Disney Plus. So, Fantastic. Uh, you know. We got my sign up for that two week trial. Although I think I read that they got rid of the two week trial because Hamilton is coming. Not when like Avengers Infinity War, Age of uh, uh not Age of Ultron, Endgame came, but the Hamilton poll is strong. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Disney Plus doesn't crash this weekend. That makes sense because there's there's tons of people out there who literally have never seen what Hamilton looks like. Right. Um. Yeah. So you know it's. I'm I'm sure they they they're wary of tons of people signing up for the free trial and then canceling it. So I get right. it. I will say when I saw the musical, I was really happy I had heard the soundtrack first because um, it really it does go very fast. And like if you don't have some of the context around like the history and yeah. the songs, it, it would be very easy to get lost. Uh, yeah. At least when I saw it live. I, I, I wonder. Yeah, if I, I feel like I'm going to have to watch it once with uh, just straight through without anything and then watch it again with the subtitles on just so I can like take notes. Yeah, I'd be curious how the subtitles work. Yeah. For, um, yeah. Yeah, all right. we're excited. This Hamilton. is gonna be cool. And uh, all right, so uh, let's let people know where what we're doing, what we're up to these days. Av, what are you up to these days? Yep. Um, as you mentioned, we are recording the next episode of Pretty 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 Good, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm Rewatch Podcast with Alexander Chester. We will be covering season three, episode two, titled "The Benadryl Brownie" later this yeah. week. Um, and then over on There Will Be Pod, it's been a while since our last episode, but we are coming with one shortly on nice. The Five Bloods and movies of Spike Lee and other movies about 
race and police violence. Do you have a lot of catching up to do on movie? Uh, yeah, I got to get started on that. Nice. Well, at least now you're done with Survivor for the most part. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Not really. Yeah, it's, it sounds like I've just begun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and as we said, uh, we might do a special bonus Survivor podcast this week, maybe next week. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out when we want to do that, but be on the lookout for that at some point for the three of us. Yep. Um, and you're at A. Sinensky. At A. Sinensky on Twitter and on Letterboxd. Yep. Yes. Awesome. All right. And uh, Brendan. You can find me on Twitter at FidzyBrendan and on Letterboxd at BrenFids11. Uh, not too much going on these days. Uh, same old story, same old song and dance. Nice. That's always good. Um, yeah. And I am at BrooksZA on all platforms. My brother and I are digging deep into the uh, black hole of dark. So if you were a fan of the TV mm. show dark, my brother and I have been watching every episode. We're going through it one episode at a time and talking about it. We're through three episodes of the third and final season. Now uh, our podcast is called digesting dark. So you can find us on there and yeah. definitely check it out. If you've never watched dark, I highly recommend you watch dark. Uh, yeah. You cannot listen to the pod. Well, I guess you can listen to season three episodes, but you won't be able to listen to our season one and season two episodes. Cause those would spoil you on future events. But right. our very first episode is a Why You Should Watch Dark explainer pod that's completely spoiler-free. Dark is on Netflix, and it is a show in German that you do have to watch with subtitles. And it's very complicated. Definitely watch it with the subtitles. Don't watch it with the dubbing. It's really terrible. Um, and yeah, you guys are climbing up the iTunes charts, man. Congratulations. Yeah, so digesting dark. There is, aren't very uh, many. Uh, there aren't very many dark podcasts apparently. Yeah, so digesting not. dark has so, been a been a hit. So, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we got about five episodes of digesting dark left, and then we'll probably do some feedback shows and maybe some other fun stuff. Cool. So, uh, yeah, and then um, yeah, I need to oh, watch episodes tonight. Yeah, yep. Got to watch episode four tonight. So that is what I'm doing. Uh, check it out. All right. Cool. You guys got anything else you want to chat about before we go? Uh, no, I got, I got to get back. I got to get back to work and make up for the last 90 minutes. So I will talk to you guys later. We'll definitely leave that in the, in the final. All right. Uh, Anything else? (laughs) No, I think I've said enough. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to our discussion of waiting for Guffman. And, uh, hopefully you found us as entertaining as that play. Speaking of musicals and plays next week, we will be back with Hamilton. So watch that on Disney plus and then join us to discuss make sure you send in your ratings review comments and your next movie connections to us at ladder movie on twitter and the movie ladder at gmail.com on email send us in all that feedback star ratings and uh your comments and we will get to them we'll add the connection i'll be very curious to see what movie we connect to from the musical of hamilton next week that's gonna be fun to see you'll be back and you'll see As a kid of the Caribbean, I wished for a war. I knew that I was poor. I knew it was the only way to rise up. If they tell my story, I am either gonna die on the battlefield in glory or rise up. I will fight for this land, but there's only one man who can give us a command so we can rise up. Understand, it's the only way to rise up, rise up. Here he comes. Here comes the general. Ladies and gentlemen. Here comes the general. The moment you've been waiting for. Here comes the general. The pride of Mount Vernon. Here comes the general.
Washington. We are out gold, out man.